This is the Definitely Uncertain Podcast, brought to you by Gold Rock Capital. Each week, we look at how high net worth families can improve their lives, decisions, and investments in a deeply uncertain world. We always aim to provide practical information, even if we can't offer specific investment advice. Welcome to the uh, latest podcast uh, from Goldrock Capital in uh, our series of Definitely Uncertain. And um, it is my great pleasure to have with us today uh, Paul Pratt, who is a director in the uh, UK offices of PKF, and he specializes in the world of services to family offices and and actually offering uh, to families all of the uh, uh, range of services that you expect a, a, a global accounting and professional services firm to do. And today we're going to talk really about um, the world of succession. And in particular, hopefully what we're going to be able to try and do is look at some of those archimedic uh, points in the life cycle of a family where you know either huge mistakes could be made or potentially huge gains uh, can be made through a, a successful succession uh, process. I know it's something which uh, uh, Paul has spent a lot of time working on with families. And uh, But maybe w- the first thing we should do is, is welcome Paul, obviously, to the po- podcast. So uh, uh, welcome. Thank you, Daniel. Um, and, and really just let's start by saying, Paul, how, how did you end up in the world of uh, uh, family offices? And opportunity also just to tell us a little bit about, um, you know, the sort of worldview of PKF and, and family offices. Great. No, no, Daniel, firstly, thank you for inviting me on. Um, I'm looking forward to the conversation. I think for me, um, I fell into the world somewhat uh, a number of years ago. I was um, headhunted actually by a global network of family offices called Family Office Exchange, um, actually back in 2008. So what is that, 13 years ago? And But I was also rather privileged to be, I'm a G2 family member of a construction group, one of the largest family-owned construction groups here in the UK um, as well. So, But I didn't realise what that meant until I started working at Family Office Exchange, interestingly enough. So um, I was the international managing partner at Family Office Exchange. We worked with a number of families, uh, sort of pre- and post-liquidity, so really helping them, I suppose, redefine who they are, what they do, what the glue is, particularly particularly once you, you move on from an operating entity, but really, you know, give it, looking at those sort of transitions. So that was my sort of first introduction and then really made me realize and evaluate sort of my own situation as well. Uh, you know, my parents founded a business 33 years ago. Uh, you know, I'm one of five siblings. So, you know, you have a degree of complexity uh, there. I also chose not to go into uh, the operating entity, although my father still occasionally phones up and goes, oh, you're not that busy. Can you help with the following? So, you know, there's always the family thing, which is fantastic. Um, you know, I, I'm proud and privileged to, to have the two hats, I think, in that respect. And then, no, for PKF, yeah, we um, launched our sort of international London operation dedicated to families, funds and family offices um, just over three years ago. And yes, as you mentioned, you know, we, we serve and support families across the full range of accounting suite services, in addition to building out a governance uh, sort of family enterprise stroke family business practice. And also we have a fund administration capability. And so um, we it's very interesting times. I mean, just as a sort of time lag. If I go back to 2008, when I sort of started first working at Family Office Exchange, and you look today, you know, Family Office no, name is very synonymous, and people say they're kicking around, but it can mean many things to many people. Whereas I think back in 2008, 
it, it was probably less known. So I think we see a lot more families either talking about it, looking to do it, or, or looking to understand it, I think, in that respect. Terrific. So, you know, getting into the uh, topic that, that we wanted to sort of uh, dive into a little bit today, um, and um, we, we have at least one thing in common, which is this uh, sort of falling into the world of family offices and, and understanding actually the situation and the needs of the family uh, before we realized that there was such a thing called a family office, um, which in, in a certain way, I think parallels a lot of the uh, succession type issues that uh, families often go through, which is they have a sort of instinctive understanding that there is going to be um, a series of decisions around succession, but they don't necessarily have the vocabulary or, or the tools or sometimes the professional tools to actually turn that into a, a sort of logical decision-making process. Um, and so maybe the first thing I, I, I'd like to you know, ask about is, what is the right time for a family to consider succession? Um, is, there, is there too early? Is there too late? Um, you know, how would you describe that to any given family that was moving, say, from first generation and onwards? When's the moment when you first start to, or, or should really think about it? I mean, I think it's a good question. I mean, I think if you look at the the, the journey, I mean, um, if, if as an entrepreneur, I set up a business, uh, you know, I become successful, I started driving profits. And then obviously some of those um, profits can then be uh, sort of divested into other areas as, as we grow. And then potentially, you know, the, the operating entity may become less important than, than the investments. But obviously, as time goes by, I, I may have kids, I may have started business, you know, with a brother. So I've got these different degrees of complexity. I think, at some point, there'll be a point of inflection for any family member to sort of wonder, okay, you know, I've probably succeeded in the first phase of what I plan to do. You know, we've got successful, I've got rid of the debt, we're making some profit. And then you're thinking, okay, so what's next? And I think that then the question arises, you know, are we going to be a family business or be in business for a number of generations? If we are, do we have a plan to achieve that? But also more importantly, where are we going? So, so where are we heading to? And, and I think that, that the key component, um, when you build a business, you're driven, you're highly entrepreneurial, your, your business is probably your baby, you probably spend more time with the business than the family. So, you know, there's going to be a juxtaposition around the relationships as well. I think then, then the question is that your view of what you're doing uh, could potentially be quite different to those that aren't maybe involved in the day-to-day, -day. you know, you, your, your kids, your spouse, your nephews, your nieces, your brother, whoever. And I think, so, so the, I don't think it's, it's there's certainly a too late, which we can come on to later, but I think it's never too early. I think if you're planning for a, a multi-generational business, and at some point, if you see that as part of your legacy, then yeah, yeah, yeah start yesterday. And, um, you know, we often see um, that the uh, perspectives in life from, you know, founder or first generation and then, you know, children or second generation, they look at the same reality, but see two very different uh you know, to different sets of things, which often creates a very wide um, gap in expectations. Yes. And um, when, when with, with particularly, we'll start maybe with, with those who are running family businesses and do see the potential for succession there. Um, how easy is it uh, to uh, close those gaps? And, and do you tend to find that it's more successful starting with the second generation and then working back up to first gen? Or really, unless you've got buy-in from, uh, uh, you know, the founder, the founding father, um, or indeed founding mother of the uh, uh, business. Um, you know, how, is, there a, is there a kind of set way that you see that? Have you had experience where 
you know, some things always work and some things just never work? Yeah, I think the... I think the difficulty is, and 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 for a lot of families, um, particularly uh, at the founder level, I mean, you imagine the journey you've been through. You know, you you spend twenty two hours a day for X number of years creating this entity, and, and you know, it, it's you know, my army, I'm the general, all of the things. So, so your your whole um, characteristics, your profile, every aspect about you is actually defined by the operating entity because that that's that's what you've done. And so, firstly. So then suddenly think about handing that over. I mean, that is an extremely difficult um, decision to make. And also to broach the topic, and then you've got to think about your own mortality. And, and that's the last thing, particularly, I mean, any founder, you know, um, you know, they can go on forever. I mean, uh, an example of a sort of 70-year-old uh, suggesting, well, I can sell this business and start another one. You know, the, the stars and beyond are the limit. There is no limit. And so I think that that aspect really makes that conversation particularly difficult because who wants to face up to their mortality who wants to give up what defines them so i think a lot of areas we find is that in answer to the question i think typically those with the most skin in the game tend to have to drive the conversation so you kind of look, looking to get enlightened senior generations or older generations to hopefully drive it however as we know that's not always going to be the case and so where we see examples where families may be struggling to get buying from the senior generations we do advise for those around at least you know move on with things collectively as a group you know put together your own plans put together your own ideas and sort of try and bring these people along or alternatively finally introduce the senior generations to others that have maybe been through the process to show them that actually beyond the succession there is a life you know your life isn't going to end there are there are pathways to create there are things you can do and there are ways that you can make the succession work and sort of relinquish to some degree, control, but maybe not ownership, to mitigate the risk, um, so that you 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 can then start to see how obviously the rising generation can sort of step in. Should that be what they want to do? Um, how often is the CFO or maybe family lawyer, maybe the uh, you know spouse, wife, or husband? How often are they an agent of uh, you know that that trusted advice at, at the beginning of the process? I think. In a lot of cases, I mean, you mentioned about the relationships. I mean, if you think about the areas and you go back to sort of the three circle model, but, you know, you, you, you the family dynamics. So what hat are you wearing when you're having the conversation? So, you know, if, if I'm talking to my father, does he see me as the son, as a shareholder, as the potential leader of the business? And, and if I'm then talking about leadership succession in the business, but he sees me as the son, that conversation's not going anywhere. And I'm going to get frustrated. He's not going to take me seriously. And then, you know, it's on the shelf for two years or something. So, so I think, firstly, we've got to be able to help family groups define what hat they're wearing depending on what conversation they're having so that, that the conversation has a chance of talking to your equal on that basis you know i'm wearing my shareholder hat i'm concerned about where we are in the next five to ten years as a family business we need to sit down as a owner group and have that conversation versus i'm the son i'm the daughter i'm the you know the uncle the nephew so so yes um to have a sort of independent or partly interested sort of agent of change can be very beneficial to help sort of broach or start the topic. So having someone that's close enough that has the relationship and clearly has the trust to maybe start, you know, putting some ideas in place and sort of creating the environment to start the conversation can certainly be beneficial. And 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 given that we know that that often the succession conversation will tend to be just a bit late, sometimes you know, verging on the on the too late. If there are people watching this who are, who are you know, second generation, uh, who are concerned about 
um, uh, the the possibility of succession, and whether it means it, it's you know for them personally to to be the one who's going to directly manage whether it, it's you know liquid assets or indeed the the family business, um, are there things that they could be thinking about, ways that they could be more proactive that will actually um, you know move the needle from their side rather than waiting for something which may or may not come from the uh, from the senior generation. Yeah, I think, I mean, there are things, I mean, clearly uh, badgering your your parents, if we use that as an example, uh, you know, may or may not go anywhere. I, I think what's interesting, COVID actually has, I think, helped put the conversation front and centre for a number of reasons. I mean, firstly, COVID, I think for everybody, has really made us think about our own mortality. You know, there was a period of time back in, you know, March 2020, where whatever you were worth, wherever you were based, we all thought maybe the sky's going to fall in. You know, this is a pretty crazy, scary situation. And then on the back of that, particularly, we saw a number of families who pulled together to manage the crisis and also using the digital way to do so. So suddenly, as a next generation, maybe I wasn't heavily involved in the family business, but now being pulled in to help manage the crisis. So maybe geographically, I'm not near where the family business originated from. You know, I may have been schooled in Dubai or London or New York or somewhere. And, and But yet, I can get involved via Zoom or, or Teams or whatever the method is. And most importantly, we've seen examples where a lot of families not only facing mortality as older generations and realizing maybe, you know, that, well, I can't travel as much, you know, there's greater risk in the world. And also now I've seen what my kids can do. We pull together as a family unit during the crisis and the, the digital aspect has enabled people to engage without having to be there physically. And probably more in the two other aspects around it also that the younger generations have also shown their credibility in front of the senior members of a operating entity. Because again, that's some of the, the questions. It's not just if I'm the, you know, the the matriarch or patriarch, you know, can the kids do it? But also, you know, how, how does the senior management feel if it's an operating entity as far as the credibility? You can't just have someone, you know, nepotism jumping in. That can cause major damage and major issues, you know, for the motivation of your senior management, which is, you know, going to be a massive issue for the family business. And then probably the final bit on that is also younger generations are clearly more digital native. And I think, you know, we see a lot more opportunities. So whether also, for example, if I'm a G2 and I'm looking at ways to get in, you know, digital transformation of the family business, not a bad way to start the conversation. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I mean, two things are coming out really clearly from uh, uh, what you're saying. Number one, um, in a way, COVID has given us opportunities to talk about digitization within yeah. the office as a tool and maybe, you know, maybe more than just a tactical tool, but things that we can think about which uh, strategically enable uh, families to work together, particularly, obviously, and, and you know, many of the people in the family office world are, are working with families that have, you know, multiple, they're in multiple regimes or different countries. And, and so the digital aspect of it, I think, becomes relevant. I think at, at a deeper level, what you're also saying is, if you're a second generation and you want to be taken seriously, either by, you know, the previous generation or maybe your peer group, um, you've got to be serious, okay? Which yes, means yeah. taking some initiative on something which may not be absolutely core uh, to the business or the assets because you know you may not yet have access to that but something that says i'm actually going to take something on and be serious about it and and one of the things which which we have found this is that it doesn't actually necessarily have to relate to the family um, business or the assets itself it can be i've just taken something else on and been super serious about it whether it's maybe starting um, a, another business or an NGO or something that I've done, uh, you know, academically or it, it, almost in any sphere that says, don't just look at me anymore as the guy who's 15 years old running around, you know, playing football in the backyard, but actually I'm an adult. 
I can take responsibility for things. Um, and by the way, that, that may mean that there are things that we could share together in terms of thinking uh, forward on the business. And I think we've certainly, you know, we try and encourage everybody within their own, um, you know, within their own capabilities and sometimes limitations to say, okay, where, where can I actually bring that to the fore and, you know, change slightly the, the sort of uh, image or branding I have as not just son, as you said, but potential leader or, or somewhere in between, you know, not everybody in the family has to be, um, has to be, uh, has to be a leader. Let, let's, let's maybe um, talk about uh, moments of risk or great moments um, of risks. Um, the, the, there are always these uh, opportunities where, um, uh, you know, you can grab an opportunity and, and upgrade. But often we see that, you know, at the critical moment, people make, you know, they're, they're not best po uh, uh, positioned to make the great uh, decisions. Um, which, which, which are those moments that create the greatest amount of risk? in making decisions about succession? Well, I think, I mean, you mentioned the sort of question, you know, when is too early or is it too late? I mean, I mean, you know, there are many stories, but, you know, illness, uh, a death uh, in the family, a divorce, uh, possibly uh, an economic downturn, putting pressure, suddenly the dividends aren't spinning out and there's, you know, there's issues around the strategy of the business. Um, and, um, or, you know, sadly, as we see, you know, a number of families, you know, just, just conflict within a, a sort of family group, just, you know, actually, no, that's not what I want. And I think a lot of occasions you see where the founder or the founders uh, sort of hold the structure together. Uh, and, you know, when that they're no longer around, it all splits up. And I think, I mean, one of the questions we ask a number of families, and it doesn't have to be 100 years, but if you ask, depending on, on, on your, your, your uh, uh, religion, but, you know, say it's Christmas Day. And if you're looking forward to 100 years, you know, what do you see for your family on Christmas Day? And if, the, you know, the phrase is, well, actually, I see them all sitting around the table eating Christmas dinner together. Then the question is, well, what are you doing about that today to make sure that happens? And so I think that the, the importance around the connectivity of the family group, the unity, the glue that connects them together uh, is really key. I mean, in an operating entity, that's what you do. So day to day, we do stuff together. Therefore, our relationship is divine, defined by that accordingly. And so, you know, you talk about it over the dinner table and, and it's what we do. And, and obviously, at the point where you transition out of the original operating entity, you lose that. You lose that day to day. You know, you're a liquid family. It, it, you know, looking at spreadsheets, is that as interesting as building a new business? Probably not. But the returns are great. But am I really interested? And is it, does it keep me connected to my, you know, my three brothers and my sister and my niece? Probably not uh, in the same way. And so, so I think that that sort of, you know, realization of sort of your, your values, your vision and values individually, in addition to you as a collective becomes really important then thinking about, you know, the legacy and the history and what do we stand for? And also the lens by which we make decisions, you know, what, what is it that we are as a family group? You know, are we entrepreneurial? Therefore, you know, do we keep developing businesses together? You know, do we do philanthropic objectives and do we stand for these, these three things? And, and the things that are going to engage, particularly the rising generations, you know, around the idea that if my name is on over the door and I've never worked in the business, why would I be interested? So what else are we doing? I think, you know, certainly things, particularly coming out of COVID, but, you know, ESG, impact, sustainability, you know, questions around getting younger generations and maybe mixed with, with older generations, maybe as a step off for senior generations to leave the operating entity to, to go investments maybe with the younger generations around, you know, ESG and impact and let the, the next gens drive that. And that gives you the engagement, but also the exposure to new areas, but the understanding, but also the connection, the sort of replacement of the glue that you might lose when you no longer have the operating entity. Okay, and and what what you're I think uh, um, 
you know, referring to really strongly here is if you can open up, uh, particularly on, on the leadership side, the senior generation, the idea that, you know, m maybe there is life beyond the spreadsheet and the P&L and conquering the next uh, market, then you also have an opportunity to look at things which actually potentially add value to the business, but more importantly, give another excuse to sit around the table uh, um, and talk about other things. I think sometimes, uh, um, within the family business environment, I think there is this illusion that because we're together in the family business, we actually have common uh, aims and values. And what yeah. sometimes actually turns out is the only thing that's keeping us together is that we all get a salary at the end of the month or a Absolutely. dividend yeah. um, at the end of the year. And there isn't actually that level of um, you know glue that uh, keeps people together. Often, you know, the conversations that, that I've had with with you know some pretty uh, serious families is when you get to a certain level and size of wealth and complexity, the family itself is a, is like a, a company, and so you have to think about you know the same sorts of risks and 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 opportunities as you would uh, in a business. You would with a family, even almost to put down like a SWOT on a family level, forgetting what the the the, the business looks like. So you know, what are we good at? Yeah, apart from running a business, what are we actually yep. not so good at? Um, yeah. What do we aspire to? Like you say, you know, I love the uh, uh, the image of saying, "Okay, we're sitting around the uh, uh, you know the Christmas dinner, twenty twenty one. What does that look like in twenty one twenty one? And you know, there's there isn't necessarily a bad answer, but like you know, when you go into the you get in the car and you put a destination in ways, if you don't put a destination in, there's no way you can build a. a a route, exactly. A I mean, I, yeah. That, I mean, I think that, that that's the key component. I mean, firstly, an individual level. You know, who am I? What do I believe in? I mean, there's a phrase I really like, which is sort of um, purpose is the reason for the journey. Passion is the fire that lights your way. So, so can you answer those individually, and then collectively, how do you bring that together? And then how do you find alignment? And then again, if you think about that process, because then that gives you a destination, and then you can start creating the, the constructs that get you there. You know, whether it's a you know a family board, a governing board, a family council. Uh, the family office, which is managing the investments, which is also aligned. I mean, I think that that's the key. And then again, your senior management, you know, with their L tips and their other incentives around the operating entity that are none, you know, family members. So I think the, the key that we see is, is trying to find that alignment. And, and as you said, I mean, a lot of cases you see uh, examples where, and again, you know, quite recently, where I was sitting, well, pre-COVID recently-ish, uh, around the table with two generations and having a conversation and the suggestion from the senior generation was, you know, I, I want to control things until I'm 90, he's about 60, 62. And I, I, I looked at the two sons and they didn't say a word. And, and so I, I left it then, but I spoke to them separately afterwards. And, you know, clearly they disagreed, but they didn't because of the culture of the family. They, they couldn't not they couldn't go against their father in that environment. But so, you, you know, there was only one outcome for that. Should that continue at the point where dad isn't around? They're not going to adhere to his wishes, um, sure. you know, in, in the broader sense. And so, so I think. Having open, honest conversations, having um, an adult in the room to facilitate those, but also sometimes having them one-on-one -on -one before you bring the groups together becomes really important. And really understanding, because once particularly the operating entity is less relevant, maybe your investments have grown way beyond the original business, or maybe you've had a liquidity event, it's not there anymore. So how do you replace that? I think that that's a really key question, as you said, because now the family has a, a large pile of money. It's now going to set up a private office. And so here's the money. We're doing all this, but but you know why do we stay together? What what's the reason? I mean, the value in staying together, obviously, with the finances are you know we get access to better deals, we pay lower fees, we can probably attract better talent, or 
you know, we use a great multifamily office such as yours. But, you know, that that sort of decision-making piece. But then beyond that, you know, do we just go off and do our own things? Why else would we stay together? And so I think we advise and see a lot of families having to work around, you know, things like your relationships, the structures, the communications, um, the, you know, how we as the governance piece, you know, how we connect and communicate together. And obviously the vision and the values and the legacy. You know, what do we stand for? Why do we do stuff? How do we do stuff together? And what does that look like? And I think, it, and again, but the key with all of this is assuming that's what you want. Because in some cases, you may have a liquidity event and, and, you know, we've been working at cross purposes for 25 years. The last thing I want to do is do anything with you anymore. Thank you very much. You know, I mean, so, so I think the key also, just because, you know, every book and every uh, webinar suggests you should, I think you should do what's right for you, but you should explore all options. Because I think the one thing we see is that there's, there's, there's no best practice, that there's good practice, but there's best practice for you. So it's got to work mm-hmm. for you. Well, um, I, I'm I'm pretty sure we could talk about um, succession and, and succession planning for a tremendous amount of time, and maybe we'll get another opportunity to, um, uh, you know, take this topic, or, or or maybe we'll we'll come back and and try another ones. But I think if I try and summarize the things that that I've taken out of uh, the insights that you brought today, uh, Paul, uh, number one, succession in the end of the day is is a is a process about planning, uh, and therefore. Frankly, planning cannot be uh, too early, even if it's a plan which you write and stick in the uh, you put in the top drawer for the for the rainy day. You've thought ahead. You've had some um, initial thoughts. But I think uh, but just it, to uh, jump in, sorry, that as, yeah. long as, as long as there's emotional buying from everybody in the plan, otherwise yeah, so, you might as well so, gather dust. You might as well yeah, use it. That to was exactly uh, and 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 uh, underlying. I think what you've said and you've you've, you've repeated it is. In the end, unless there is some sort of uh, emotional attachment to the process itself, where is the family going? Why are we actually doing this together? We happen to be, a, you know, we're born in a family unit. Does that necessarily mean that we have to continue either doing business together or philanthropy together? That's a topic which most families don't actually uh, talk about because it is almost assumed, but often that assumption uh, doesn't take into account that over the life cycle of a, of a generation, expectations can uh, grow apart as they do in life um, in general. So um, a first generation, uh, a wealth creator, creating that plan on his own will definitely increase the risk of that plan not being successful. And, 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 and obviously the second gen making things move without uh, carrying in some way the previous generation will have the same amount of uh, risk. And if we talk about, and you know, I think you put it really well, if you, you're sort of balancing out succession versus the risks of disaster, the ability to have buy-in on uh, as many of the uh, family members, potentially key advisors within the framework of the family who are actually part of that decision-making, even if in the end, the decision may go in a different way, I've been part of that uh, process, you know, th- then I think you have the chances of a more successful uh, transition. I just Absolutely. want to say, Paul, um, that it has been a tremendous pleasure having you on today. Um, I think as somebody who is wears the professional hat and obviously has gone through some of this stuff uh, personally, it obviously gives you a kind of special um, insight into the world of family offices and, and succession. It's been great having you on and I look forward to having you back in another, uh, another one of our podcasts. So uh, thanks so much. Excellent. Thank you, Daniel. It's been a pleasure. And um, as always, I've enjoyed talking with you.